Praise the Lord. I thought it said, I won't be quiet. You guys got quiet really quick. I won't be quiet. My God is alive. How can I keep it inside? Woo! I'll add one in there too. Are you guys awake? Are you alive? All right, all right, all right. I hope so. I hope so. Are you ready for the word this morning? Are you expecting a Christmas word? Sorry. (laughs) You just get the word this morning. Uh, Before I get started, I want to thank everybody that came out uh, to our caroling and prayer night over at Josh and Emily Trout's at Christmas on Bellevue Friday night. We appreciate you. Give them a hand that showed up. Um, I was one of the louder singers until... Certain lyrics came up, and I didn't know them. I, so I went, in the first Noel. Uh, I mean, I knew the next line of that one, but there was some I didn't know, so I just started humming, and I died off a little bit. So. But we had a great time. There were great hosts and fed us and had activities for our kids, so we appreciate that. We got to pray with a couple people that night as well. So we thank the Lord for that opportunity for Outreach. Outreach. You might hear that a lot in the meeting after church and in the vision for 2024. Outreach, outreach. It's part of our little slogan, reach, teach, serve. Outreach means outside of this building. Amen? I'm hoping for 300 people to join me in that when we hit the streets, but it may be three. (laughs) Say, no, it won't, Pastor. It'll be all of us. So... Anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later. If you're a first-time guest with us, will you just slip up your hand and say, hey, I'm first-time. I won't embarrass you. First-time right here, right here. Another one back there. Are these spotlight white lights always on? I feel a little extra hot and bright up here today. Those four ones? Maybe they are. Maybe I just don't notice it. But if you are a first-time guest and we have some here, just fill out that card in the seat in front of you. Turn that in at the welcome desk. We have a wonderful gift for you picked out by us that we thought you would enjoy. So just fill that out. Turn it in and get that gift after church. Thank you for being with us today. Also, I wanted to make you guys aware, uh, we want to send our thoughts and prayers to Pam Sessions and her family. Her mother passed away uh, this weekend, so we are going to have a funeral dinner this Friday at the church, probably around 2 or 2.30, so if you can bring a side dish or a dessert, let Melva know. Melva's right there waving her hand. Right there's Melva. If you can drop something off uh, for us for that meal, we'd greatly appreciate it. And again, keep them in your prayers. Lots of Things going on, people dealing with some things. So remember those prayers when you see them on our Orchardville Church prayer group. If you're not a part of that, just look it up on Facebook, Orchardville Church prayer group. And we post prayer needs on there and praise reports on there. And you can kind of keep up with what you need to be praying for right now. All right. I think that's it. Let's get in the Word. We walk different. Different. Some people thought I should have put differently, (laughs) but I stuck with different. We walk different. What is we meaning? We as believers, we walk different. At least we should walk different. 
than what the world walks, right? How many of you in here would say, I walk different? And I'm not talking about... (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I should have stretched. (laughs) But as believers, we should be walking different, right? Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, we do have a few baptisms also that we're going to be doing at the end of service, so excited about that as well. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32, I know it's a little bit to read, but if you'll stand this morning, Ephesians 4, honey, I left my water sitting there, can I have it? Ephesians 4, thank you, 17 through 32. And some of you may say, you've, you've probably hit on this before, haven't you recently? Yes. But God says it's still needed because we still are having some problems with walking different. And we need to make sure we're walking different. All right, here we go. Now, I was going to use, I'm just going to give you the first line of a CEV version. It starts it this way. As a follower of the Lord, I order you to stop living like stupid, godless people. That's it. See ya. (laughs) Let me read that again. As a follower of the Lord, I order you to stop living like stupid, godless people. Sometimes you just need it blunt. Okay? We're going to be in the CSB. So here we go on that. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk, seems much nicer, as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thoughts, they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry. It's okay. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth. No foul language should come from your mouth. No foul language. I heard some from believers this week. But only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. 
on this Sunday, Father, in December. God, there's so many other places that people can choose to be, but God, I'm thankful for the ones that choose to be with us in your house today to encourage one another, to learn from you, Father, to offer up our praise and our worship to you. And God, I thank you for those watching online as well. God, let them be touched, Father, by your word and your Holy Spirit right where they're at. And Father, we just ask that you do a work in this place that only you can do. Father, let us get out of the way and let you do what you want to do inside each and every one of us in here. God, let our hearts be open to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Let's, yeah, we'll clap for that. It's a good prayer. I know that was a lot to read through, but if we take a moment and we process what we just read and what we heard, and the more you read this passage, the more it's going to challenge you to walk different. I know it did me this week. And that conjunction, therefore, right off the bat in verse 17, it, it anchors everything that Jesus has done for us and connects that work to us. If someone has to read or was to read the first three and a half chapters of Ephesians only, we could actually believe that the individual believer has no part to play in God's plan of salvation. If you read that first three and a half. However, Paul's therefore, there in verse 17, shifts towards us. Because of what Jesus has done, because of who God is, and because of the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, we must walk worthy of this calling as a Christian. And not walk as the Gentiles do. Not walk as the world does. Walk worthy of the calling. Paul is very clear. It is possible, and I'm telling you guys this too, it is possible to walk rightly and different because of what Jesus has done for each and every one of us. We can do this. We can walk different because of what Jesus has done for us. And Paul declares it is possible to live a life that is not characterized by anger. Who has problems with anger? <laughs> Your life doesn't have to be characterized by that. Who has problems with slander and profanity or gossip? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll talk about you later. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> we don't have to do that. Because of what Jesus did for us. We can walk different. Sin and stupidity. Anybody have a problem with that? Don't point at people. <laughs> but we don't have to continue to sin. We don't have to continue to do stupid things because of what Jesus did for us. Paul does not give us any legitimate excuses for walking in disobedience. But what if someone, Rick, is mean to me? Then I can be a disobedient. No. What if I'm really having a bad day? Then I can be in disobedient. No. What if I'm, I'm dealing with the hardest thing in my life? I never thought I'd have to deal with this, but now I am. Then I can. No. You don't have to be disobedient in those times. You can still walk different. You can still walk like a believer should walk in the middle of those things. For uh, many of you who learned to march in the military, do I have anybody? You learned how to march in the military? There's some hands going up. I doubt your drill instructors accepted any excuses for your marching out of step. I'm just guessing. If you said, I just don't have no rhythm, sir. I'm sure you had to figure it out, right? 
You couldn't give excuses for it. And I, I, I taught for three and a half years and I love observing, observing elementary school hallways because sometimes it's like the evolution of dances happening as kids walk by in the hallway. I mean, there's all kinds of weird things going on and kids, they just can't walk normal. Like really, when you came into the school, it looked all right. But now that you're in here and you're going up and down these hallways, it looks totally different. What is going on? Christians, when you came into the church, the walk looked okay. But when you went outside the church, it's completely different. What's going on? It seems like every teacher has to tell the kids, just walk right. Stop it. And I have a video. I reached out to Shelby Kelly. She's a teacher over at Selmaville of kindergarten students. Woo-hoo. God bless her. Where is she? Is she in the back today? All right. So I reached out to her and I said, would it be possible for you and your fellow teachers to help me out for my sermon this Sunday? And I said, could you show me some examples of how kids should walk as opposed to the reality of how they walk up and down those hallways? So at this time, I want to show you that video that they made for me. Thank you to Shelby and her co-workers. Uh, she, she, I think one of her co-workers, I saw at the game yesterday for Brylin for cheering, but she came up and said, it has like over 200,000 views already. <laughs> <laughs> so people appreciate the reality of that video. But Paul, serving as an apostle for Ephesus, is fulfilling a mix between a drill instructor here and an elementary teacher. He's telling us how to walk. And his message is to walk right, to take off the old life when you come to Christ. Put on what is new. Put on the new. Walk different. The revival, if you think back, that happened in Asbury, why did, how did it start? It was a student confessing his sin and repenting. That was it. Confessing sin and repenting. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Repentance never asked for permission to sin again. Think about that. Repentance never asked for permission to sin again. Right? Lord, I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from this. But can I get a couple more passes on it? That doesn't make any sense. 
Is my repentance real if I keep committing the same sin? How can you still walk in your sins if you have died with Christ? And I want us to shine the spotlight of scripture into the darkest areas of our lives. Do you know that there are people that walk into this church every week that are living in secret sin outside of here? I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you, this is reality. And we need to break free from that stuff. Whatever God has for you, you are slowing down the process by staying in the sin that you're entrapped in, that you're chained to. And you're not fooling God. You can fool everybody in here. You can sometimes fool me. A lot of times I can discern through the Holy Spirit what you're doing. I just haven't called you out yet. You know God can work through people like that? I saw it all the time growing up as a kid. You know those moments where you're clenching the back of the pew? If he's really talking to me, give me a sign. And then the sign comes and you're like, oh, you did it. Give me another sign. (laughs) But God can use people to discern and speak truth about other people and situations. Something to think about. Some of you are like, I'm never talking to you again. (laughs) There was a time this week that I wanted to call somebody out that I think was just boldly just lying to me. One of my people here in the church. And I said, I will not right now. But maybe it'll come. <laughs> All right. Use the scripture to shine into those darkest areas of our lives. And I want you guys all to know, here I am preaching tough on a day I'm getting voted for. It's okay. Got to be obedient to God. I want you all to know that I love you. Okay? No matter how tr- hard truth is to hear sometimes, I love you. And and the way I can love you best is by being truthful and clear about the scripture and what it says to us. Even when we disagree, know that I'm speaking out of a place of love of Jesus from scripture and I love you. Okay? And I hope you still love me when I have to show you how we should be walking different. All right. First thing, Paul opens up this passage by contrasting with the, the work. Uh, the walk worthy of your calling with how not to walk in Christ, okay? Do not walk like the Gentiles. Do not walk like the world does. But they were all born Gentiles, just like Paul was born a Jew. But what Paul had in mind was not about ethnicity. He wasn't talking about that. Paul declares that their present lifestyle must look different than their past lifestyle. Now, we're getting ready to baptize people as their public confession to you that they believe on Jesus as their Savior. Their old self is going down in the water, and they're coming up new, just like Christ in the resurrection. They're coming up new in him, and they're letting you all know about it. That means the old self is gone. It is buried. It is dead. I am resurrected new in Christ. And that's how I walk now in the newness of Christ. Am I still going to make some mistakes? There are some people in here that have been a believer for 45 years. And guess what, believer? That's maybe two weeks into this. They still make mistakes too. Okay? But it's our responsibility with new believers to train them up in the ways of the Lord and to help them on their walk so they don't fail. Okay? Our present lifestyle is going to look different than our past lifestyle. 
How they walk, he's telling them, is not based on where they came from, but who they are now in Jesus. From this day forward, this is who you are. You are this in Jesus. And he had to shift their understanding away from the gods of their past to the one true God of their present and future. So, growing up in Christ requires laying aside what you used to know, believe, and practice in embracing the newness of Christ. Some people have a hard time with that. This is the way I was always taught. This is what, lay it aside and embrace the newness of Christ. If we don't lay that aside, we end up with a dangerous form of syncretism. Syncretism is the mixing of various beliefs and gods into a whole, a new whole or sum of beliefs. Don't do that. It is everything based on Christ and the newness in him and what's found in his word. Lay the other stuff aside. Learn who you are in Christ. Paul wasn't inviting the people in Ephesus to add Jesus to their gods, but to proclaim Jesus as the only God and the only source of salvation. Now, with that, okay, we're not adding Jesus to what we're already doing. He is it. When we, when we confess and we give our hearts to him and we believe on him, we're walking in his way. We don't add him to, to the things we're doing. He is the center of it all now. Everything flows from that. I've heard a lot of people say that when I'm looking at them and I don't see the fruit of a relationship with Jesus and then they'll still tell me, yes, I'm saved. I've, I've got Jesus. I said, but has, has your life, has anything changed for you? No, but I got Jesus now. And, and, and I feel like that's our fault as Christians that we are not, again, training them up, showing them scripture, scripture teaching them scripture about how uh, the sanctification process works. And the closer you, and closer you draw to Christ, the more things about your life that he's going to change. If things aren't changing, you have not surrendered. Your life is still about you. And it needs to be all about him. Paul declared the necessity of laying aside what used to be and embracing new life. And if we as, as American Christians are not careful, we merely add Jesus to our old ways instead of living in the new life of Jesus. And if we're to accept this passage of scripture that I read you this morning, we have to admit a few things. That first, there is truth. And it's not your truth versus my truth, it's absolute truth. Okay? Second, there's a way to, that Jesus expects us to walk. Third, standards are not the same as works. Okay? We're all believers in this room that we are saved by grace and not works, right? But we mistakenly throw out the idea that faith and belief are followed by action and work. So, Paul invests the first three chapters describing all the great things God has provided that we did nothing for. It was the complete whole work of Jesus. But then he describes how we are to walk. And then these next several paragraphs that I read to you guys are full of verbs and commands and actions that are meant for us. And this effort, it is necessary because our default condition as we come into this world is broken. We are broken when we're born into this world. We have no connection to God. We're broken. That's what we're born into. 
Paul describes our former way of life. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. So first, our way of thinking was messed up. It served no purpose and we were in the dark. All of us before we came to Christ. Second, our default condition is excluded from the life of God. We couldn't just make that happen. God had to send his son Jesus. That was the plan to die for our sins and restore that relationship with God. Three, pretty, pretty simple. Our old life is ignorant. I think about and I told you I was saved at a young age when I was about six or seven in a little Christian school in the basement of a church. But I didn't understand till later in life what that meant to be surrendered to God. And I can tell you, a lot of the things I did in my teen years were ignorant, were stupid, were dumb, were nothing like Jesus would want for me. Anybody else? Okay. And again, I don't have it all figured out. I still make mistakes, but I learned late teens, early 20s, what it meant to really walk different. I understood what it meant to not just go to church and act one way in front of my youth group and go to school and act totally different. You know, I reached out, it's, I, don't, I reached out to some of my former classmates and I apologized in the past because I'm sure a lot of them, when they saw that I was getting into ministry and, and doing what I feel God called me to do, they were probably scratching their heads a little bit. <laughs> really? So as I reached out to some of the ones that I was close to, I said, I am sorry for never showing you the Jesus that I claim to serve. That's humbling to reach out to people that you really don't talk to a whole lot anymore and apologize for the way you were acting. And I said, I understand now what a life surrender to Jesus means. I understand what he did for me. I understand that a lot of things I did in high school were stupid. I understand that me cussing every third word because I thought it was cool was actually me looking uh, uneducated. <laughs> and they said, that's all right. I said, well, I just wanted you guys to know I'm sorry about that. I should have walked different through high school. I should have not succumbed to the peer pressure of trying to be like everybody else when God wanted me to walk different that whole time. And that's something I can still take with me today when I'm out and about. I am to walk different. I am to act different because God's changed my life and I'm surrendered to him. Amen? Fourth thing, our hearts were hard before we came to the Lord. Some of them are still hard because you haven't completely surrendered and let God penetrate every part of your heart that he wants to deal with and work on and restore. And this is followed by callousness and the practice of every kind of impurity. Verse 19, the word used for callous is rare and it means the ultimate in moral depra depravity, the lack of shame or guilt for any sin or vice. When there is no shame or guilt, there is no repentance. When you come to the Lord 
And again, we may have to do this often. We may need to repent often. When you come to him, if there is no shame and guilt, there is no repentance. If you're not sorry about what you've done or what you've been doing, there's no repentance. We do not repent of what we are proud of. I'll say it again. We do not repent of what we are proud of. If you have no shame, if you have no guilt, then you are proud of that thing that you are doing and you will continue to do it. Would it be safe to say that the world apart from Jesus lives and thinks in a way that serves no purpose? Safe to say that, right? That the, the world kind of is excluded from the real life, they're ignorant to things and without shame. Some of the things that go on right now in our world, they have no shame. They don't care. Their hearts are hardened. Their minds are dark. The things they are doing make no sense. It's a spit in the face of God. Because they don't know him. Paul's definition of life apart from Jesus is, is just as accurate today as it was then when, it, when these scriptures were written. And often we're shocked at how many people think and act the way they do. We, sometimes we act like we're surprised, but they don't know Jesus. And really the way we've seen society digress or regress over the years, it should not surprise us what is happening right now. If anything, it should give us a burden even more for the lost people of this world right now. They don't know the truth. Their life has no purpose. They're walking around aimlessly trying to fill a void that only Jesus can fill. But sometimes we act like we're shocked by what they're doing. With Jesus, we think differently. We see the world differently and we interact with people differently. I pray you are. So what do we got to do to start walking different? First and foremost, repent of past ways or maybe their current ways in your life right now and any flare-ups you've had, repent of those things. Be truly sorry for them. And again, we do not repent of what we are proud of. You know, Jennifer has told us a story before, and I'm sure that's happened with your kids maybe before, about how kids uh, sometimes use a bad word. Like, no, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to say them, okay? <laughs> but a lot of times, what the kid will say is, I didn't know it was a bad word. Right? Some of them do, little brats, but they... kidding. But a lot of them will say, I didn't know that was a bad word. And part of parenting and leadership process is to inform the kid, hey, little Johnny, that's a bad word. We don't say that. Okay. And don't use the word yourself around your kids. Hey, little mom and dad. That's a bad word. If you don't want your kids to say them, stop saying them yourself. If you don't want your kids to do that, stop doing it yourself. If you don't want your kids to automatically escalate an argument into screaming at each other, don't do it yourself. 
If you want your kids to think church is important and it's vital to their walk with the Lord to be encouraged by their believers, then show up to church. That was all extra. Think about this. Underexposure is just as bad as overexposure. Okay? Underexposure is just as bad as overexposure. Could it be that we have God-loving people living in sin because no one has ever clearly taught them the scriptures? Right? God-loving people living in sin because no one has ever clearly taught them the scriptures. If you are, if you are a God-loving person right now and you're living in sin, I am giving you scripture right now that says you should stop it because I love you. God loves you. You don't have to live in that sin. But if he or she keeps saying it, Going back to the bad words, then it goes from an accident to a willful sin. If I've been told and I've been shown scripture of how I am to be living for the Lord and how my life has changed and I go ahead and continue doing what I want to do, that is willful sin. You're choosing it. And I believe that the Lord has been dealing with many people in this room over the last few years. And he continues to deal with them today about how we need to be walking different outside of here. And we need to get rid of some things in our lives that we're still letting the enemy chain to us. God is showing us what's permissible as a new believer is not permissible now. There is sanctification that's happening as you come to the Lord and as you draw closer to him, as you study his word, as you talk with him, as you communicate. There's things that as a new believer you might have done, but as you grow in your walk with, in your relationship with the Lord, you don't do them anymore because you know, you know what God has for you. If you've not progressed, if you've not put, matured in your walk since the beginning, something's wrong. You've got to surrender. You've got to build that relationship with the Lord. And God does not reveal our sin or the pastor doesn't talk about sins because he hates us. It's because he loves us. As God shows us areas needing repentance, we would, we would need to, we need to embrace that. We need to repent. We need to ask for his help to stop. Second, Start, to start walking different, this is a big one for people, you have to renew your mind daily. Every single day, this needs renewed. If you go two, three, four, five days without renewing your mind on the things of the Lord, you're going to find yourself in that pit we talked about last week. And you're going to find it hard to get out because your mind is set on things that are not of God, that God didn't say, and you're, str- you're going to struggle. If you don't renew your mind, most of us remember all of our mistakes and very few of our victories, right? If I asked you, just called you guys up here and had you, had you share, tell me some of your mistakes in life. You'd be able to tell them all real quick. But if I said, give me some of your victories, that might be a little harder for you because we dwell so much on the negative. 
Our memories are only as good as our last mistake. In 2018, the special assistant to the Air Force Surgeon General did research that says it takes five positive comments to offset every one criticism. Whew. Is encouragement important? Yeah, it's important. Again, some of you military folks probably would think you didn't hear five positive comments the whole time you were in the military. (laughs) Way to go. You made it through. Right? I got a new, uh, that's a new respect for them because I'm, I'm sure it was difficult and they didn't hear a lot of positive things. One negative deflates, defeats a lot of good when it happens in our life. And that is exactly where Satan wants your mind to be. He's winning if that's where your mind's at. He's winning. And too many of us think about God for one hour on a Sunday and we think that's going to offset 167 other hours through the week. That makes no sense, guys. Lord, I spent an hour with you today. Carry me through to next Sunday. Sorry, you got to renew that mind every single day. He wants to communicate with you often throughout each day. Don't shut it down just because you've left the church. Okay? Paul confronted about the Gentile way of life was mostly areas of thinking. He said, first, our way of thinking was messed up, pointless, and dark. Second, our default condition is excluded from the life of God. Three, the old life is ignorant. Four, our hearts were hard. And he told the Romans, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Daily, I've got to think about what Jesus has done and what he's calling me to. Every single day. Every single day. I'm not talking about placebos you take for psychological benefits. I'm not talking about karma. I'm not talking about daily affirmations. I'm talking about reminding myself that Jesus loves me, that I'm forgiven, and I am empowered by the Holy Spirit every single day. Say that with me. Jesus loves me. me. I'm not convinced that you guys know that. (laughs) Jesus loves me. I am forgiven. I am am empowered. empowered. Can you imagine if we transformed our mind every day with just those three thoughts? How our day would start, how our day would finish. I am loved by Jesus. I am forgiven of my mistakes and mess ups and sins. And I am empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit in me to walk out what God has for me every day. Golly. I don't have to sin today. I don't. I don't have to go out and sin. I don't have to go and pick up that alcohol that's been such a a great thing for me to wallow in and, and, and be depressed. I don't have to pick it up. I don't have to sin. I don't have to go to the drugs. I don't have to scream at my spouse. I don't have to degrade my kids and and make them feel worthless. I don't have to do those things because I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves me. I can walk different. I don't have to sin. That power was broken years ago by what Jesus did for me. And we need to measure our life by the right standards. If our praise team would come back up. Has anybody ever corrected one of your kids 
No, I really want to know. Have you corrected your kids? Now, you guys know how I feel about correcting your kids. I believe in spare the rod, spoil the child, so my kids got spanked. Brylin still gets it every once in a while when she needs it. Okay? Everybody has their way of parenting, but the important thing is you discipline your kids. Okay? So they don't grow up to be undisciplined adults. Okay? And if they're here, I'll help you with that if they need it. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to whip your kids, <laughs> but I may get on to them if they're doing something that they don't need to be doing, okay? But if, you, if you've ever corrected your kids and they tell you, but so is, so-and-so's mom lets them do it. <laughs> and you guys say, I'm not so-and-so's mom. Hopefully it's not that low and gruff of a voice. I, they would be scared. But that's what we say to them. I'm not so-and-so's mom. I'm not so-and-so's dad. This is the way we're doing it here. Right? As believers, the world is not your standard. It's the way we do it out here. Jesus is our standard. And this is the way we do it for him. Okay? You guys will stand this morning. Verse 24 says, we're to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. In the beginning, we were created in the image of God, right? That's how we were created. Sin marred that image and it fastened us into this image of sin and the curse of sin. But through Jesus, God's plan for this world, through Jesus, we are to put on new life that looks like God's righteousness, his purity and truth. And therefore, as believers, we can walk different. We should walk different. Somebody this week had put on Facebook that I want people to be able to bump into me and feel the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. I love that. That should be truth. It's, it's very difficult to get people to just show up in church anymore that aren't believers. It's even more difficult because the church isn't inviting them. So really our mission field is that circle of life that we have every single week and what are we doing with it? The people we see at the gas station, the people we might see at Walmart in the checkout, uh, at our jobs, what are we doing with our mission field? Do people see us walking differently? Do people want what we have? Do people see the love of God pouring out of us? Or are they seeing everything but that? And they say, I, I thought you went to church and you believed in Jesus. You say, I do, but I'm messed up. So shut up. And unfortunately, that's how some of us act at our jobs. We forget to renew our mind and let Jesus flow the way he wants to. And some of the people you work with, you are the only Jesus that they see. So are they saying, I don't really know if I want anything to do with him. Or are they saying, I want what you have. Because I see it. 
I feel it, I sense it, I know that you love God because you love people. You walk different. So as we pray this morning, if you need to repent of anything, you need to give your life to Jesus, you need to rededicate your life to Jesus because the way you've been living has been nothing like him, then I'm gonna encourage you to come this morning to the altar. If you are a family and you guys are just struggling as a family right now, come up. Come up, pray together, renew your minds together, get the focus back where it needs to be together. You need healing in your body, come up. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. We believe that the beating that he, that he took, the stripes upon her back, uh, his back were for our healing. We believe. So whatever it is this morning, find a place to pray. Come to me for prayer. Come to one of our deacons for prayer. Let's let God move like he wants to move. Let's let the Holy Spirit work like only he can do within us. And let's let God be God and help us walk different this morning. Father, we praise you. We thank you for who you are. Have your way in these altars, God. Lord, move on people's hearts. Lord, I know you've already been working with some, God, but they know I'm, I'm not walking different. I look like everybody else outside of here. And Lord, you're calling them to something greater because of the power that's within them. God, I pray right now that they would let that release and boldness and courage in their circle of life. I pray for the teenager, God, that would walk down the hallways of their schools different. God, that they would do better than I did in school, Father, and where I hid it, where I was everything but a believer in Christ, where a follower in him, a disciple of him. I pray that they grab a hold of it, God. They don't care what people say. They understand that they're supposed to be different, and they understand, Father, that your love in them should flow out of them, God. Lord, I pray for every single person in here right now, God, that's dealing with whatever they're dealing with, God. Lord, I pray right now that in your Holy Spirit power that you help them, you encourage them, you heal, you speak to them, God, and you show them there is a way to walk different and that you love them so much. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
This is Isaac and Anna Peters. If you've met them, if you haven't met them, they've been with us for four, five, six months, probably coming here, uh, being a part of our Sundays, being a part of our Wednesdays. And they were originally down in Mexico with her brother, Anna's brother. He runs a mission down there. He's got, uh, and they want to go back down there. And from what I understand, God has lined all of that up in his timing. He's been offered a job. Not only has God given him a job, but he's also giving you guys a home down there right now. So they've got that getting lined out too. So God's opening the doors, but they're going to be heading back down there to help her brother with mission work and to reach people down there. They've got a school they've got down there too. He's doing some great things. So as a church, we want to pray over them and bless them as they go. This They're leaving this Saturday, so this will be their last time with us besides this Wednesday night. I don't know if they'll be here or not, but we want to pray with them as a church. So if you can come forward, we want to speak over them pray protection over them and blessing over them as they can do the Lord's work down there in Mexico. transition into our baptisms excited about this we can have our three people come on up wherever they're at I see Eli over here Aaron's gonna come up and give me some assistance up here too hey mr. Eli how are you you want to be first or you want to be last first all right I can handle that come on over Uh, Brandon and Heather come on over there by Aaron over there. Where's Brandon? Is he hiding somewhere? 
Heather, where's he? There he is. There he is. All right, Eli, come on in. Is it warm? Let's go ahead and screw it up here. It's Mr. Eli Taylor. A few weeks back, he surrendered his life to Jesus. You believe in Jesus as your Savior, correct? I know you and Jennifer have talked and your mom and dad have talked. You want to put your feet straight that way? I don't want to hurt your knees or anything. <laughs> but I am proud of him for taking this stand for Jesus, believing in Jesus as his Savior. And I appreciate Orchardville Church for pouring into our young people. Uh, if you don't pour into your young people, your church will die. They are the future. They are today. So I appreciate how much we invest in them and pour into them. And that's evidence of by what we're about to do here with Eli. So Eli, I know you got a lot of friends and family here. Again, you've confessed Jesus as your Savior. All right. So I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you want to hold your nose there. just a little bit we're going to conclude our service with them all being on the front row down there so you guys can congratulate them brandon you going next all right come on in it's mr brandon hall and i remember meeting him i don't know if it was a sunday morning or a wednesday but i remember something that he said to me i need my life to get turned around something to that effect wasn't it going through a lot of stuff uh depressed just life headed in the wrong direction. And I remember him saying that, that I need my life to change. And can I tell you that, first of all, he came to the right place and that he came to the right person because God is changing his life around. He rededicated his life to the Lord and he has been here faithfully Wednesdays and Sundays. And if you were here this past Wednesday, that's the highlight of his week. He doesn't want to have to miss. I need so many people like that. <laughs> Okay, so Brandon, because you believe in Jesus as your Savior, correct? Yes. I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So brother and sister love. Come on up here. Put your feet straight. There you go. It's so awesome when family gets to do this together, brother and sister. I think he was here for a little bit and then she started coming and I don't know if that was because he told you about it. No, we talked about it together. They talked about it together. So she started coming. And she testified Wednesday night about as soon as you pull into this place, something's different. They tried different places. They've been a couple different churches, but this was it. And they felt the love of God here and the love of the Orchardville Church congregation. She told me last Sunday morning, I still don't have everything figured out, but I know my life's going in a lot better direction now that I've given my life, rededicated back to Jesus. So... 
you're already emotional. <laughs> it's a blessing when God's love is just saturating someone and her and her brother. I th I'm thankful for them that I got to meet them and talk with them a little bit last Sunday morning and that they both are on the right path now. And I know she's praying this for her family. She wants to bring her son up in the Lord. So we're going to continue to love you, support you guys, and be here for you. And I just encourage you to stay with Jesus. And you also have confessed Jesus as your Savior. So I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, 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 amen. Yes, 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 yes. They're going to come down here in the front, all soaking wet. And guess what? We're going to love on you, hug you anyway. Okay, so if you guys will step down there at that first step, right in the front there. We're going to go through as we dismiss. We're going to continue to play. You guys can come through and congratulate them, love on them, get to know them. Amen. Again, this is Eli, Brandon, and Heather up here. We appreciate them and their heart for the Lord and what he's doing in their lives. And congratulate them this morning.